Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thankful for Labor Day weekend. Thankful, God, for an opportunity to rest a little bit, to evaluate how the summer was and what the fall is going to bring. To think about how we can be the best we can possibly be. Thank you for this weekend. God, thank you for a Sunday morning, a day, God, in which it's dark and cloudy and rainy today, yet an opportunity to focus ourselves on you. God, a day to look to you for worship, and we thank you for this morning. We ask now, God, as we come to your word, that you would speak to us. We know that the, the Bible is from you. It's your word. And it is the truth. And so we come today, God, asking that the truth would speak to us concerning what is the Sabbath. What is rest? What does that mean for us? God, I ask your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, please turn to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, that's all right. We've got those black pew Bibles there in front of you. Exodus 31. Exodus, second book in the Bible. It's also page 78, I believe. Page 78 in those black pew Bibles is Exodus 31. We have been preaching through the book of Exodus. We've been in Exodus now for a while. We've come today to chapter 31, where Moses gives some further instruction on what the Sabbath is, or actually rather God gives it to Moses so that Moses can give it to the people. But nevertheless, it is teaching on the Sabbath. I grew up in one of those families that's a good family. I have a great mom and dad. I love them. I'm indebted to them and always will be. Um, born and raised in North Carolina and my dad is nothing but a worker. There's nobody that knows my dad who would define him in any other way than a hardworking man. That's what he's known for. And I want you all to know that I think that's one of the best characteristics and compliments that you can give a man. When you say of somebody that he's a hard worker, that says so much. To not be known as a hard worker is such a, a negative critique. My dad's a hard worker. From the time that he got out of high school until just this past fall... Um, my dad had worked the same job some 50, 60 hours a week, never, ever used up all his vacation. All he did was work. I grew up knowing that my dad was gone before I was awake. Even on school days, he was gone before I woke up. So if I had to be at school at, at eight o'clock, I'd have to wake up at what, seven? And he was already gone. I never saw my dad. And then he didn't get home until dark each day. He came home right about dinner time, And I knew that for my entire life. My dad is 62, 63 years old. Um, he did that since he was 18. Worked all the time. A lot of good things came from that. I had a good understanding of work ethic. And um, he provided for our family. Um, I, I've never seen mom or dad be lazy at all. Uh, a lot of good stuff came from that. So I grew up knowing that, that life's about working. And I equated being a man, a husband, a father, a head of a house, I equated that with, with hard work. And I, and I appreciate that. When I got saved and became a Christian and started reading the Bible, I quickly gravitated to the Ten Commandments, like most people do. Good, good place to start learning some stuff. And I found the Fourth Commandment that you know, Exodus chapter 20, just a few weeks ago. 
And it says to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. One day a week, you're to do nothing. So I started thinking, how does this fit in to everything I've ever known with such a great characteristic about hard work? Now, I want to tell you, I've never known my dad to work on a Sunday. Uh, my dad is a Christian man. But even back when I remember when he wasn't as, as focused of a Christian man, he never really worked on Sunday. And so I've always known of, of Sunday being a day that he didn't work. But I'm just saying that my mind started thinking, what does it mean to be all about work and yet to understand that God says we must be a people who take a, a day and keep it holy? And then I also realized that the Ten Commandments are, are rules that you don't do, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not worship anything else other than God Almighty. No graven images. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You shall not kill. shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not covet. And we know that the, the commands of God are often rules. Don't do this. And that's for our good. And if you're mature, you understand that. Rules are for your good. Every coach and boss and authority knows that rules are for our good. But yet you have these two of uh, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. It's not a you shall not. And, 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 and then you have the fifth one is honor your father and mother. And it's, it's a you shall not. It's not a, a you shall not. And so we understand that God has given us commands that are for our good, and yet one of those, the fourth, is to have a day that you don't work. And so as I started thinking through, I love hard work, that's all I've ever known, and there's, a, there's a, supposed to be a day that we don't. It says to literally not do anything, basically, that would be regarded as work. One of the New Testament passages that deals with this was about the disciples walking through a trail, and one of them picked some grain and ate it. And that broke the command. That broke the fourth commandment. So I'm not talking about having a job or working an eight hour day or, or, or going outside and sweating a lot with a hammer. It's talking about literally doing anything that could be described as work. Picking one piece of grain broke the law. So I started to think, well, what does this mean? Does that mean that I shouldn't be able to work at the grocery store, which was my first job when I was 14, bagging groceries? Should I should not do that on Sunday because there were some days that I did. Does this mean that nurses and doctors who work big, uh, high-demand jobs that have to be open on Sundays, that they shouldn't? So I started, started thinking through this. What, what exactly is the Sabbath? And I would bet that many of you here today would say, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just trying my best to work hard and rest and obey all the other commandments, because I don't really understand that one. I bet that's where most of you are. And so what I want to do today, because it comes up here in Exodus... Because I want to try to answer for you what exactly is the Sabbath. I ask you to dial it in, pay attention, ignore your phones. I want to try to cover everything that the Bible says about the Sabbath and hopefully that we will get it. I want you to hear from the outset, though, is that God has given us an example that we should be a people that prioritize rest for the sake of our focus on Him. Let me say that again. God has given us the example that we should be a people that have a disciplined priority of resting for the sake of focusing our attention on Him. At Exodus chapter 31, verse 12, we have this. 
the explanation of the Sabbath. Now, while you're there at Exodus 31, just listen to me. I'm going to remind you of where the Sabbath came up in Exodus 20 on the fourth commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I'm reading from Exodus 20, verse 8, but just listen. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God made that seventh day holy. And yet his regulations around that day were pretty strict. It wasn't just you shouldn't work, but it was you and your your spouse and your son or your daughter or your servants or even your animals, your livestock. You couldn't even send the cows out to plow the field. Your oxen couldn't even do that on the Sabbath day because God has made the day holy for our sakes. Now, that's the, the tenth commandment or the Ten Commandments. That's the fourth commandment in Exodus 20. Now, I want you to read with me now at Exodus 31, our passage for today, starting in verse 12. As God gives further instruction to it. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel. And here's what you say. Above all. Notice it says above all. All of a sudden, this commandment that you and I think the least about has become above all to God. Do you see that? The commandment that you and I are least uh, focused on because it's hard to understand. And, you know, nowadays all the grocery stores are open on Sunday. God says above all, he says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death and whoever does any work on it, the soul shall be cut off. That soul shall be cut off. From among his people, six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Verse 17, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. And was refreshed. Now, God has given some strict instruction here on what is the Sabbath. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but to God, a work week is six days and one day off. Whoever came up with the weekend, I don't know. Maybe I could have looked that up, but I didn't. Who came up with the five days of work and two days of rest? And to our shame, we don't think weekends long enough, right? We're excited about this. You just heard me talk about it. Thank God we finally got a Labor Day weekend where we got Monday off, three-day weekends here, right? Who came up with the five-day work week and two-day weekend because it wasn't God? God says very clearly, there's no arguing that, work six days, take one day off. Maybe God was the first workaholic. Maybe work is something we need to focus on a little bit more. 
Maybe we need to have a sermon series here after Exodus on work and work ethic. Have you ever thought about ethic as a religious word? You ever thought about that? We use it all the time. Ethic is a religious word. Ethic means right and wrong. And a good work ethic means you work the right way. Hard. But God says you work six days and then you take one off. I want to give you three points today as we seek to understand this. The first is the Sabbath is the sign of a relationship. The Sabbath is the sign of a relationship. The second, the Sabbath is a step toward holiness. And thirdly, the Sabbath is the secret about resting and refreshing. R.C. Sproul says that the Sabbath is rooted in both, listen, the Sabbath is rooted in both the orders of creation and redemption. It looks backward to God's good creation and it looks forward to the final redemptive Sabbath rest for God's people. Here's why he says this. At the beginning of the Bible in creation, Genesis 2, you have this. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day of the week and made it holy because on it, on that that seventh day, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So later, so, so listen to me. Was the Sabbath something that God thought up in the Ten Commandments? No. Notice the laws, you shall not worship anything else. That was new. You should honor your father and mother. That was new. Do not murder. That was new. The laws and the Ten Commandments were new. We had not heard those before. Now, they might have been uh, born into us. But we had not heard those laws. But the Sabbath was something that we had already seen from the very beginning of time. The seventh day of all creation. God was resting and keeping a Sabbath. And so in Exodus here, in Exodus 31, we're having explanations of the Sabbath. It is looking back to something that we already knew in creation. Yet we also know in life that finding rest is almost impossible. I bet many of you wish that you were still asleep. I had somebody tell me today that sleeping in the past couple of days was the best feeling in the world. They slept till 10 and they normally wake up at 5 every day. I had one of you hardworking people tell me that this morning. All of us are tired. Give me about 30 more minutes and some of y'all will be sleeping while I'm preaching. But the Sabbath rest is something that comes from God in creation. But as this points out, and as R.C. Sproul points out, it is also grounded in looking forward to the final state of redemption, the Sabbath rest, because we ultimately cannot find rest. And ultimately, the answer to our needing rest problem, our, our, our addicted to work problem, our being lazy problem and not ever knowing what is right as far as the balance of work and rest, we don't know. That is found in Christ. The soul longs to find rest and it does not find it until Jesus comforts them and gives them rest. Until your conscience is put at peace. Many of you have said before, I feel guilty if I sit down on the couch and take a, take a little coffee break. Many of you have said, I feel guilty to, 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 to take a day off. Many of you seriously work all the time. You complain of working, you complain of being tired and you've got vacation days and you won't take them. Something's wrong with understanding this. And yes, that is credit to you. But could there be something wrong here? 
But it looks forward, he says, to that final state. It's a little bit lengthy, but let me read from you from the let me read to you from the book of Hebrews, chapter four. Listen, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, listen, God has given us a promise that we can enter into rest, complete rest in God. The promise still stands. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. In other words, we know that there is rest in God, but we don't feel rested. Our souls aren't at ease. We're not secure in who we are. And this is what he's talking about in Hebrews. Verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. So now rest comes ultimately from faith in Christ. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest for those that do not believe. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore, listen, since therefore it remains for some to enter into it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, he says, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Believe in Christ and find rest, he says. Verse 8 in Hebrews 4. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. But see, Joshua tried to give them rest by telling them to keep the Sabbath. God would not have given us one. Verse 9. So then... There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There is one available for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Did you hear that? Those who are in Christ by faith have rested from their works. What does that mean? Let me tell you the message here up front. That folks. Keeping a Saturday or a Sunday completely for sleeping or working all the time or taking a nap three days a week will not ultimately make your soul rest. But realizing that your works, your bad works that leave you with guilt, your good works that make you proud, any of your works will not ultimately satisfy your soul. It is not until one bows their knee, turns to Christ and says, Father, will you forgive me of my sins? Believes that Christ died for their sins and becomes a Christian, a believer and follower of Jesus. It is not until that point, until somebody is united with God through faith, that then their soul finds rest. And this is what he's talking about. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works. You and I resting from our works, meaning we don't have to keep proving ourselves. We don't have to earn something with God. And therefore, we are like God who rested himself. Verse 11 says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What's the disobedience? The disobedience is thinking, I have to work all the time. I have to be such a worker, nonstop, 24-7, that I'm not the best person I can be. Now, let me stop right here before I get my three points and tell you. You know me, I'm not an advocate for you being lazy. I'm not an advocate for you working a little bit. 
I'm not an advocate for you having all this responsibility and duty and bills to pay or whatever. And you slacking off and you working a part time job and you're not taking care of your family. Not at all. We need to be a people that work. I preach all the time sermons on hard work. My favorite passage in the Bible is when Paul says to the church, I worked harder than every single one of y'all. Look at these hands. They're all callous. I'll beat up. Y'all don't outwork me. And the reason why I work harder than all y'all is because it's a God working in me. Look at my example. Y'all should start busting your tails like I do. That's what Paul says to the church. We are to be a working people. I wrote my dad a letter a couple years ago that said, I have a hero, dad, and you are my hero. And the reason why my dad is my hero is because of his hard work. There's some other areas that he's a hero of mine, but he's not a hero of mine in every area of life. He's not the most godly man I know by any means. Not at all. He's not even the top ten biggest influences on my life spiritually. But he is my biggest hero in life because of his hardcore work ethic. We are to be a hardworking people. This message today about Sabbath is not to say that we're not to be hardworking people. The message today is to understand that God in giving us the Sabbath puts us in position to be a harder working, more effective people. But we've got to understand Sabbath. As rooted in both creation, God rested after he created. And yet in redemption, Jesus died to save us from our works, from feeling like we have to do enough. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that went something like this? Uh, Do you go to church or are you a Christian or what do you believe or do you think you're going to heaven? And their answer is, I've had this conversation a hundred times with people. I hope so. I sure have tried to be a really good person. And I do a lot. I do a lot. I mean, I, I give, man. They come knocking on the door for crusade for children. I give to them and I get these things in the mail and I give to them. And every time I see somebody at the stoplight with a sign, I give to them. And I try to help out, man. I try to volunteer in the neighborhood. And I take care of my grandkids all the time. And you hear these answers all the time. I'm trying. That sounds like somebody who's tired and wishing and thinking. That's not Christianity. That's not a healthy understanding of the Sabbath. That's not at all what God designed for you. God designed for us to be a people who regularly say, I'm going to stop some other things right now. Recharge my batteries. Get some strength. Get stronger. Get rested. Because when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to hit the ground running. You can't start a Monday worn out. It's going to be a bad week. Why do you think America hates Mondays so much? Because our weekends kill us. We've turned weekends into playing and partying and doing this and that all the time. Some of y'all watched 10 hours of football yesterday. You're dead tired from that. Some of y'all stayed up till midnight watching those games. That LSU game didn't go off last night till super late. Some of y'all watched it all. You're tired. You're going to be tired today. And guess what? You're going to be complaining about Monday tomorrow. I'll never forget the first time I met T.J. Franklin's mom at the police academy graduation. I never met her before. And I don't remember how it happened. She's a good teacher. I'm impressed with T.J. Franklin. You know what she said to me? She said, I want to teach you something right now, Josh. Weekends aren't for play and weekends are for getting ahead. I've never forgotten that. I'm trying to apply that to my life. Weekends are for getting ahead. Do whatever you got to do on Saturday and Sunday so that Monday you're an all-star. So that Monday you walk into office, you walk into work, ready to go, charged up strong. We are going to win this week because I'm ready to go. Not rolling in late and sleepy eyed and extra coffee and whatever it takes. God doesn't want us to be that way. And so God says, hey, find that time to slow yourself down 
Focus on me so that when you start back, you're in great shape. We've confused that. Notice God didn't take two days. God works six hard days. Point number one. The Sabbath is the sign of a relationship. That's what it says here. The Sabbath, what is the Sabbath? Well, Sabbath literally means, we don't even know what it means, it means to cease, to stop, to refrain from work, to take a break from work. So every time you're hearing in the Bible this word Sabbath, God is saying, take a time period to stop working. Now, in the Old Testament, it is attributed to a day, the last day of the week, Saturday. If you don't know that, the Sabbath is a Saturday in the Old Testament. But it is a time period, a one-day frame in the Old Testament where you stop working. See, some of you right now never stop working. Some of y'all think it's okay to work seven days a week and to never slow down. But what it is, is it's a, it's a Sabbath. It's a, it's a ceasing, a resting from work. That's what it is. And so he says, in verse 12 at Exodus 31... Speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. God is saying to the people, here, here's what I want you to do. Above all else, I want you to keep the Sabbath. Make sure you keep that day holy. Now, here in Exodus, he cites God's work in creation as the basis for this command. I've already talked about that. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where Moses repeats the Ten Commandments, you know, the Ten Commandments are originally given in Exodus 20, but he does say them again in Deuteronomy 5. And in Deuteronomy 5, he does not necessarily say that it was creation as the grounds for the Sabbath. He says it was the exodus out of bondage in Egypt when they were set free from slavery. Well, why? Because what do you do when you're a slave? You work nonstop. You don't get breaks. You don't get days off. When they were in Egypt under Pharaoh, remember, that was their complaint. We get no rest. He's driving us day, every day, day in, day out, all day long, from sun up to sundown. He is driving us. We have no rest. And in Deuteronomy 5, Moses says that God has given us the Sabbath to remind us of what slavery looks like. Do you feel today like your job, your lifestyle has made you a slave? You don't have time to focus on God. You don't have time to rest in God. Do you not? What he says here is that the Sabbath is the sign of Of a relationship. Look at verse 13. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between you and me throughout your generations. That you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. God says the sign. See, listen here. God always, always, if you don't know this, you need to. God always, always, always tells his people what he wants them to do so that the world can know they're his people. It's the way God wants us to be. It's kind of like if you go get a job, they're going to give you a uniform and say, here's what I want you to wear. When somebody walks in Dairy Queen and wants you to have those black pants on, tucked in with your shirt that says Dairy Queen, your little visor on that says Dairy Queen. I want people when they walk in to know you work here. God does that same thing. With the Abraham covenant, what was it? It was a circumcision. If you were circumcised, that was the way you let everybody know that you are a believer in God. Here is the Sabbath. 
The people of God are known as those who on Sunday or sorry, on Saturday for them, they rested. They did not work. When somebody ran into somebody who did nothing on a Saturday but recharged their batteries and took it easy, they thought, oh, that's a person of God. They are keeping the Sabbath. They made sense. That's what the Sabbath is. It's a sign. It says it again in verse uh, 17. Look at verse 17. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. We are a people who understand that we work hard. That's the precedent that God sets. Hardworking people. But there is a time when we rest. And resting for them was a sign that they were in a relationship with God. Somebody who puts no focus on resting, somebody who has no priority to listen to what God has said and to follow his example, looks like they don't know God. But what is the covenant now? What is the sign now that shows that we're in a relationship with God? Certainly being a people who know how to rest is, but that's not our main one. What is it? What is the new covenant sign that you are in a relationship with God? I hope you know. It's the new birth. It's the new heart. The Bible says that the world will know that we are the people of God by the way we love. And God says that in giving us new hearts, we would love him. He has given us hearts that love him. The sign that the world knows that we are the people of God is that we love God. It is evident. We hate sin and we love Jesus. That's it. It's a sign that you're in a relationship. I want to ask if you've ever thought about your lifestyle being a sign that you're in a relationship with God. I want to ask you, are there certain uh, behaviors that you have, certain duties that you do, certain ways that you are that which people can be recognized? Oh, he must be a Christian man. She must be a Christian. I wonder if your co-workers, especially since we're in the context of work, I wonder if your co-workers think of you as a Christian person because they know these things about you. And then let's take it a step further. I wonder if they know your commitment to resting as a sign of your relationship with God. The Sabbath is a sign. God has said here, verse 13, verse 17, do this and it will be a sign that you and I have a relationship. Rest. On that Saturday, rest. Work hard those uh, Sunday through uh, Friday, but on that Saturday, rest. And y'all know what a sign is of a relationship. You see, see my wedding ring? Y'all know what that means. It's hitting worldwide, but in our culture, typically a wedding band on that fourth finger on your left hand means you're married, Right? Single guys, they see a girl wearing that, they better leave her alone. You see a girl that don't have on a ring, she's fair game. Right? That's what that means. And we had a song that said, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Meaning, meaning, I got a relationship with somebody. Right? Everybody can know I got, I got a relationship with somebody. Me and Valeria have a relationship. That's what that means. It's a sign. We can think in that category. We know that. This ring or, or, or Val's ring is a sign that we are in a relationship. God uses the same thing. And yet for them, the sign that they were in a relationship with God was that they kept a, a day for resting. 
I want you to think about signs in your life that show you're in a relationship with God. And then I want you to think about the, the resting aspect of your life. Does it show that? Number two. Number one, the, the Sabbath is a sign of a relationship. But number two, the Sabbath is a step toward holiness. And I love this. In verse 13, he says that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. The word sanctify means to make holy. It is God who is making us holy. Notice. Notice that the way that you know that God is making you holy is through what? Taking time to rest. If I was to ask you just very, very point blank, do you consider yourself a holy person? You know, in accountability, you often ask that question. Most of you all would think it's awkward. Hey, how are you doing in holiness? Are you growing in holiness? Are you progressing in holiness? Are you holy this year, 2014, more than you were last year, 2013? What areas are holding you back? Are you growing in holiness? And yet God says that this, this Sabbath is a step toward holiness. By keeping the Sabbath, it is a way that God is sanctifying you when you allow yourself to sit down. No doubt, making it a principal practice in your life that on Sundays we go to church is a way that you will be growing in godliness. As you hear the Bible preached, as you sing songs, as you see other people that are here, as you see life changing in other people, God will be growing you. It's a step toward holiness. The very next verse, verse 14, he says, You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. The day is holy for you. It's a day that God has given us for our good. Never to be a burden. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. The Sabbath day is not at all to be a burden. God did it for our good. Rest is something that we need. Verse 15. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. And here's where the Sabbath comes in, and it's not just the resting. You might be out there thinking, well, Josh, I take a nap every day. Or I I really find a a, a day in the week to just do nothing and, and recharge myself, and that's good. But this is where the Sabbath comes in is about God. Resting For the sake of our souls. Resting for the sake of our spiritual lives. I want to ask you, have you ever thought about making it a huge priority that you focus on God? Do you have something in your life that says, here's what I do? You know, we understand this really well when it comes to working out. Many people are so disciplined to work out. They, they make sure they do. Two days a week, five days a week, something like that. They make sure. Why? Because they want to keep that weight off. They want to make sure that they're feeling good about themselves. They don't want to become lazy. They don't want to become a bum. They don't want to gain weight. They want to stay healthy. They want to stay fit, right? And so they make sure they put that in there. Well, just like 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and verse 6 says, that bodily discipline is of some value, but godly discipline is of supreme value. Therefore, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I can say without a doubt, two of the best things in my life are that I read the Bible regularly and that I go to church regularly. You might be thinking, well, you get paid to go to church. That's true, but I went to church regularly before I got paid. And I feel like I'm growing as a Christian. I think I'm more of a man of God now than I was last year. God has designed that through us prioritizing a rest period to focus on God, that we would be 
growing in holiness. I want to ask you if you're growing in holiness, and if your answer is, I, I don't know. And then I ask you the very next question that says, have you neglected prioritizing it? Do you not rest? Do you ever focus on it? If you don't see yourself as a holy or growing in holiness person, then I would bet that you don't regularly take time to rest and focus on God. Just this week in doing some study, I was reminded of one man who is one of the hardest working men I've ever known. He told me he's always had the principle he doesn't mow grass on, on Sundays. Loves to mow grass, loves to work in the yard, but on Sundays he doesn't. He said, I, I gotta, I gotta have a day that's different. You can't have seven days that are all just alike. You gotta have a day that's different. You can do whatever you want, but you gotta have a day that's different. Had another conversation with a man who said, he does not play golf. We were talking about playing golf. I haven't played golf in years, but we were talking about playing golf. And he thought we were getting signed up for something on a Saturday. I said, well, it's actually a, a Sunday. He's like, oh, well, then I can't play. I've just always had the principle I don't play golf on Sundays. That's not because he's strict, legalistic Pharisee. It's because he realizes he's got to find time to focus on God. So he loves to play golf, maybe plays three days a week, but doesn't play on Sundays. Why? Because his soul needs a time to focus on God. Watched another interview on YouTube this week of a man talking about the Sabbath. He said, here's what we did for our family. We just said that we'll never do a movie on a Sunday. We don't do movies on Sundays. We just don't watch them. Six other days to watch movies, but we've got to have a day that's different. We can't let Sunday be like every other day and be a movie person on a Sunday. Sunday's got to be different for us, he said. I want to ask you, if you see yourself not growing in holiness, I want to ask you if you are a bitter person. I want to ask you if you're one of those negative people, if you're always complaining. I want to ask you if you're the type of person who is critical. Are you a critical person? Some of y'all, I'll admit, I think it's been years before I've heard you say something good about our church. Micah's been here about a year doing a fantastic job with the music. Have you been to Micah yet and told him how good he's doing? Or do you grumble about him? Are you a critical person? And then I want to ask you if, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, that's not really who you are. That's just who you've become. Because you never stab it. You never rest. You never focus on God. You never think about what it means to be an encourager. Somebody builds somebody up. You never have gotten yourself in a position to think, I'm just looking at the glass half empty. I need to be a half full type of person. I need to be able to contribute in a way. Are you more of the problem or are you more of the solution? And sometimes that comes because we've just not been refreshed. We're not feeling good about ourselves. We haven't delighted ourselves in God. We don't feel rested. We don't feel recharged. Last weekend, we just got to where we had been so busy. We were frustrated. Our household was tense. I said, Val, what do we got going on next Saturday? She said, I don't know. I said, well, it's, it's, it's August the 30th. Is there anything going on? She said, I don't think so. I said, here's what we need. We need to do nothing. Nothing, nothing. We're letting the kids play in the yard all day long. And I just need to be able to be outside in the yard all day. I mowed the backyard twice. I mowed the backyard twice. Just wanted to. I just needed that. She let me. It was raining. I kept doing it. Weeded in the rain. Mowed in the rain. Blowed in the rain. Did everything. Moved the trampoline. Painted the climbing wall that we got in the backyard. I was just out there through the rain. Just wanted to be out there. Vowed it and say anything. She didn't ask me to come inside. She let me do it all day. And I'm about as refreshed right now as I've ever been. 
I came in today happy talking to Micah about who knows what. I needed that day. I needed that. If we're going to be a people who are growing in holiness and godliness, do we have to be a people to set that out? Now, let me tell you, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means you have something different set up to allow you to rest. If you work construction, you're out in the heat, working 60 hours a week, tired as can be all week long, then maybe your Sabbath day should be couch, sweet tea, football, take it easy. If you're the type of person that works in the office all day in the air conditioning, you know what? You probably need to go exercise. Go for a walk. Go for a hike. Probably need to mow the grass to get a little sweat going. You need to change it up so that your soul is refreshed. Look what it says here uh, at the bottom of verse 17. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Point number three, the Sabbath is the secret about resting and refreshing. Number one, the Sabbath is a sign of a relationship. Number two, the Sabbath is a step toward holiness. And then number three, lastly, the Sabbath is the secret about resting and refreshing. Now look what it says in verse 17. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested. God rested. Does God need to rest? I don't think so. But then it says there that God was refreshed. God was refreshed. When did he ever not be refreshed? When was he ever not fresh? But God was refreshed. God needed to put in place for us what it means to go hard, what it means to slow down, so that then we can go hard again. Have you ever been refreshed? When's the last time you were refreshed? When's the last time you just kind of had a little, little pep in your step? When's the last time you were walking through the house singing a song to God? Or do you just live way down? You just live way down. If God needed to be, uh, if God needed to rest in order to be refreshed, then we certainly do. One commentator says that the Sabbath is not designed as a burden but as a blessed release from hard labor. The holiness of the day separates it to the Lord so that it is enjoyed by sharing God's rest, celebrating God's work of creation and redemption. In that passage in Mark chapter 2, where the Pharisees call out Jesus because they are working, Jesus answers with this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You and I are not to be a people thinking, okay, am I doing the Sabbath right? Is the Sabbath happy with me? This? No, the Sabbath is for us. It's a blessing. The Sabbath is to be good to you, resting, good for you. Then he goes on to say, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus, being God, is greater than the Sabbath. Jesus can do whatever he wants. As long as he's resting. Think about this. God gives us rest. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. He says it's wrong for you to do that. Eating the bread of anxious Toil. What a fresh word we need to hear. For God gives to his beloved sleep. What about Psalm 23? It's so well known where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Has your soul been restored? Have you taken a day off? Have you said, I'm going to be better on Monday by doing nothing on Sunday? I'm going to be better on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday by going to church on Sunday and by asking somebody to go out to lunch on Sunday and by taking a nap on Sunday and by going for a walk on Sunday and by just spending some time chilling out on Sunday. I'm going to beat the day on Monday. But you worry about it, worry about it, worry about it, and you don't. 
Listen to this from the well-known Rick Warren. He says, it is interesting to me that there are now more work-saving devices than ever before. Yet people are working harder than ever before in longer hours. There's more stress, there's more pressure, and there's more burnout. Listen, Incorporated Magazine recently had a survey that said 62% of all the people in America say I am burnt out or I'm on the way to burning out. 62% of all working Americans say they are burning out or on the way to burning out. They say things like, I don't know if I can do this much longer. If you're burning the candle at both ends, listen, you're not as bright as you think you are. You can get so many irons in the fire that you put out the fire. You need to take a day off and rest. You can be consumed by your career. There are a lot of tempting things that pull you toward work, more money, more recognition, more promotion, more sense of fulfillment, achievement and accomplishment. And all the powerful forces that say work more, you can become addicted to your work. But our bodies were not built for nonstop work. I'll take that a step further. If that's you, then your focus on God being a great savior to you is minimal, if any. But when you take when you take just a break and slow yourself down, gather your thoughts, think about what it means to be loved by God and forgiven of your sins in Christ, then he recharges you. And the next day you're ready to go hard at it. That is God's design for us. You won't find a verse in the Bible that will promote laziness. None. But the Sabbath is the secret or the secret of the Sabbath is resting and refreshing. I want you to think right now, who are the hardest working people you know? I want you to think right now who you think the hardest working person is in Fairdale. Who's the hardest working person in our church? Who are those people that you think of as, man, he is one hard working man. She is one tough, hard working lady. I want you to think about that. And then I want you to think about what their Sundays look like. I'll tell you right now, the hardest working people that I know have restful Sundays. Now, Monday through Saturday, you will find them sweating it out in their work clothes up early and and going long days. You will. Their Sundays are restful. You ever found yourself saying, man, how do you keep going? And you forgot to look at their Sundays and they're resting. You ever seen somebody think, man, you're getting close to burnout? He's like, no, I'm not. I feel strong. I feel good. They know the balance of the prescription God has given us. Work hard. Give it all you got. But not 24-7. 24-6, if you will. That's what God says. So then, in closing, how do you and I keep the Sabbath? Well, for time's sake, I'll tell you that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, Paul answers them, don't let anybody hold you restricted to a Sabbath. In other words, y'all, we're not confined to a day. The New Testament, listen... It's something you you can quote, you can remember. The only commandment not reiterated in the New Testament is the fourth, the Sabbath commandment. Commandments 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are reiterated in the New Testament. We must keep those still. The fourth commandment is the only one that's not. Why? We're not confined to a day. Colossians 2, Paul literally argues, don't let somebody hold you to a Sabbath day. Listen, if you've got to work Sunday, then maybe it's your Monday. You need to be finding a time that says, here's where I wind down. Here's where I get refreshed. Here's where I go fish and go for a walk. Here's where I get to sit on the couch and take a break. Take it a little bit further. In Romans 14, 
it goes on to say that, that, that we're not confined to a day. Don't let somebody say it's this day. Don't let somebody say it's this day. Not Romans 14, 5 and 6. Instead, we are a people who say, ultimately, I can't find rest at all until I know Jesus. Until I bow my knee and trust in Him. And then living as a Christian person, the principle of regular rest becomes important. It's okay to take time off and have down days. I want to ask you what you need to do to be a refreshed person. I want to ask you if you have placed things in place that show that you have a relationship with God. Do you have signs? I want to ask you if you have rest in place that is taking you steps toward holiness. And then I want to ask you, number three, if you know the secret of being refreshed. Taking a day. Now, for Christians, it's easiest for it to be a Sunday. Not all Christians, but for most. Be a church person. Resolve in your family you're going to be at church. You're going to take it easy. So that on Monday you'll go hard at it again. It's a shame how much lack of discipline, lack of rest, stress, overwhelming work responsibility or whatever has caused us to lose focus on Jesus. If you're here today and that's you, I ask you to get right. Thank God for good teaching on what it means to be a hard worker and a restful person. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, God, for what the Bible teaches us on the Sabbath. Thank you for the sign of a relationship, the step toward holiness and the secret of being refreshed. God, thank you that while on one hand we cannot... Be lazy, we must be working. On the other hand, God, we can never work enough to be right with you. We must throw our hands up, bow our knee, and say, Father, have mercy upon me, a sinner. God, it's fitting, and I didn't plan it, that this is Labor Day weekend. You've caused us to have a day off tomorrow. God, I pray you would speak to our souls. Make us a godly people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.